on, everybody? Welcome to NBA Stories. I'm your host, Nick Nasby. And after a brief hiatus while I was obsessively watching the finals, we're back. And we're here with a great topic. I'm super excited about this topic. Um, Bill Simmons has been doing redraftables on his podcast, but he like dives into current events in the NBA so much that he stopped doing it, which bothered me a lot. And so he stopped at like 2011. He's probably going to get to this draft eventually, but we're going to get there first. And I'm super excited. We're going to be talking about the 2018 draft, which is already just stacked, stacked with talent. And we're going to go into what would happen if, the, if these guys went back and they declared and they were getting drafted now. Who would fall? Who would rise? What would it look like? And to join me to do that, first and foremost, a brand new guest to NBA Stories, one of our fellow FTS homies, Mr. Nolan Smith. Nolan, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing great, Nick. I'm glad to be on. It's great to talk some basketball now. Usually, you know, on the from the back to each podcast, chatting up golf and whatever else comes to our brains. But basketball is one of my true loves, and so uh, I'm happy to join join you here on NBA Stories. I love talking any sport, including golf. I don't know as much about golf, but I know an kind of an obsessive amount about most sports. It's it's problematic. Uh, which is why I started the podcast to begin with, just so I could get it out, you know, in increments. And uh, so, yeah, man, thanks for being here. Up next, of course, one of our heralded guests here from the Mark and Graham pod, Mr. Mark DeQuilla, who actually brought this idea up the first time. If you guys listened to that episode, we were talking about MPJ, where he would fall. Mark, how you doing, man? I'm doing great, and just like you said, I think that's why me and you get along so well. I am just like you, sports nerd all around, every sport. Sounds like Nolan is the same way, and I'm happy to meet him on the pod tonight. There's just nothing I love more than talking all sports, especially basketball, draft classes, all those types of things. There's nothing better. Um, You know, we're missing that Bills-Titans game right now to do this, but that just shows you how dedicated we are to the craft. We're getting after Bro, it. Bro, my team dropped 177. I have Devin Singletary on my bench. Josh Jacobs on a bye week next week. We got Singletary in as RB2. I'm stoked. Still not sold on Joe Mixon, man. He's my he's my he's gonna be my RB1 next week. So I I, I gotta have some faith in him, but I really don't. But I picked up Devontae Freeman just in case. So, you know. I'm I'm surprised that game even happened, to be honest. I really didn't think it was going to. But uh, you know, who knows? Before we talk about this draft. I think it's only fair and necessary that we go into the finals. I mean, this is this is something that we're going to be able to talk to our kids and our grandkids about, say that we've experienced this, we were here for it, and we saw LeBron James not just win his fourth title, but win it in a way that everybody is kind of it's going to plant everyone's mind, in my opinion. Whoa, whoa, Nick. Oh, shit. You just broke. I shit. God <laughs> damn it. You just broke rule number Oh, one. okay. So before, before, yeah, he, I can't believe I fucking did that. <laughs> I came up with the rule and I did it. So the rule I made before we started was the first one to bring up LeBron drafts last. And I literally start the conversation by talking about LeBron James. How can you not? But um, I know it's like the whole thing was about him. You know, it really was at the end of the day. Where it's like, AD played phenomenal. The Heat shouldn't have been there. And they played phenomenal to bring him to six games. But like in game six, man, 
what do you do? Like, what the fuck do you really honestly do against him when he's just taking his little stupid step back and pulling up from deep three and just sinking it? What do you do? You know, there's nothing. There's nothing there for it. You know, there's there's nothing. That I mean, that's one of the greatest one-two punches in NBA history, right there, in LeBron and Anthony Davis, and Anthony Davis thrived in his his role with the Lakers this year and I think we we all can agree on that he can he can do it all too um I don't know if uh some people probably might have thought he deserved the finals MVP or at least you know maybe not finals MVP but he played remarkable throughout the entire playoffs you know the thing is too a lot of people were disrespecting that duo because the reality is, we were talking a lot of conversation about Kawhi and PG being right up there as the best one, too. And even Russ and James Harden to some extent. And, you know, I think that was a disservice to what AD and LeBron are. They're two top, they're the only duo in basketball that is two top five players right now, in my opinion. I mean, think, think about and this, I too, think PG, also. You know, every single year. LeBron James, in my opinion, is the most valuable player on on any team he, he's been on. I mean, this year you could actually make an argument that he wasn't the most valuable player on his team. But before this, he was always the most valuable player. But he never won, you know, he wouldn't win 12 straight MVPs because the dialogue goes elsewhere. We take the dialogue somewhere else because we all know that AD and LeBron are the best duo, but we don't want to talk about it because we all know that. We want it to be somebody else. We want it. We want to be surprised. We want Kawhi and Paul George to show up in the fucking playoffs. You know, we want the duos to make sense outside of LA. But it just, I mean, it, at the end of the day, I mean, we talked about it on the pod, Mark, early on, before the, the right when the playoffs started, we knew who was going to win the finals. Like, we all kind of knew who was going to win. We didn't want to say it because we wanted to see something different happen, but we had a good idea. But I'm just blessed that this year we don't have an uh, we didn't have an absolute shoe in for the finals on either side. This is the first time, probably since before the big three in Miami, where we didn't know who was going to the finals on either side because then it went Miami, then it was Golden State came to power, then it was Golden State in Cleveland, and then Cleveland broke up because LeBron goes to L.A., but Golden State's still good. And then you know Golden State gets hurt, and LeBron's in L.A., and Cleveland's not good, obviously. So like, who goes to the finals, we really didn't know. And I think that that was a big part of this season, too. I still remember getting that notification when – this this past summer when Anthony Davis linked up with LeBron and being like, oh, there we go. Lakers are going to figure it out again and get off their super long 10-year drought. Oh, boo-hoo. <laughs> God. I, I follow way too many Laker fans and um, kind of have a little they mini. They bitch spot. so much, dude. They bitch <laughs> yeah. so much about nothing. Yeah, I kind of have a little mini rivalry with Portland. Lakers in Portland have had some good playoff history in the past 20 or so years and um, we're, we're relatively close, you know, both in the Western Conference. Kobe would always say that the Rose Garden, aka the Moda Center, was always like the hardest place to play. So yeah, there's a little animosity there, but you know, good for LeBron, good for AD. He can join up and win a, win a bubble title. Let's not let's not forget, Nick. I'm gonna date you back to you remember 
when you came on our podcast and we did our little NBA pub- bubble predictions because we got to talk about the other side of this. Oh, are you going to are you about to toot your own horn here? LeBron, I definitely <laughs> am. And because as great as LeBron and AD were, I got to give credit where it's due to the team that I picked to go to the finals against the Lakers in that prediction episode. I was buying in 100% to the Heat and what they were doing. And, you know, if you remember when we talked, the two teams I said that really scared me that were going to be the Heat's biggest competition. The Celtics scared me. And the way the Raptors were playing in those pre-the bubble games before the playoffs, I really thought the Raptors would give them a run. But that Heat team dominated the Eastern Conference, and it was a competitive Eastern Conference at that. There was no locked-in number one team. But it was a very competitive four or five seeds that all could have made a run. The Heat dominated throughout the playoffs. And I just think that team, and especially Jimmy Butler, deserves the credit and deserves the respect. The same way LeBron called for his respect, Jimmy Butler deserves to be able to say the same thing. Jimmy's been doing this shit since he was in high school. You know, Jimmy Butler was the 73rd ranked shooting guard in Texas. When did you go? He went to Juco. He literally wrote Marquette from a McDonald's asking for some attention. You know, gets to Marquette, gets some playing time, earns it, starts killing it, gets drafted, what, 30th, I think? I think he was 30th overall. Goes to the Bulls. No one pays attention to him. Who's this guy? Kind of looks like Django, but, like, that's about it. And beside, and then after that, it's just it, – it writes itself. The kid just works fucking hard. He works harder than you. He has, he has the Kobe mindset. You know, that's what I love about it. The Kobe Jordan mindset is not often that you see somebody with that mentality, but it does happen. And that's that's going to be a constant in the NBA. You know, the game might change. The way players play might change. AAU games change. You know, the way they're brought up changes. But what doesn't change is that somebody can have all the talent in the world and not have the killer instinct. And no offense to LeBron James, but I don't believe that he's ever had the absolute killer instinct that someone like a Jordan or, or, or Kobe ever had. He's just, just the most talented player ever. It just happens to be like that. Same comparison. I think we've talked about this, Mark. Aaron Rodgers to Tom Brady. You know, Aaron Rodgers, the most talented quarterback probably ever. I think a lot of people would make that argument, but he's not the best because Tom Brady has the mentality to win. You know, and that's the difference. That's what I see when you see somebody like LeBron James, who is just imagine, just imagine if this guy had the grind mentality of a Michael Jordan. Like it'd be, it would be over. There's nothing that anybody would be able to do against him. And even now, like it's so he's so great, but it's just Jimmy Butler doesn't have that. He doesn't have the body type. He doesn't have any of that. He just works really fucking hard. And you could see it, especially against the Bucks, man. Like what when he went in against the Bucks, his head was down, his eyes narrowed, and he just took over multiple times. You know, so it was his game, and he just knew it. And I, that so impressive. You know, so we'll see with the Heat. I don't know. You know, ESPN's kind of shitting on him in the rankings. The power rankings came out, and they literally put the Sixers ahead of him. And the Sixers fucking suck, Mark, and you know it. <laughs> Doc Rivers, Mark, baby, a big Sixers guy. Mark's a huge Sixers guy. Yeah, I'm from I'm from Philadelphia, so those are my teams. But obviously, the the way this season went down was a disgrace. Brett Brown ran his fucking time here, and it was it was about time that we bring in a guy like Doc Rivers. It's Glenn. I could not be happier. I could it's not Glenn. be happier about it's not that Doc time. anymore. Did you not see that? We got two. 
Too many. Are you not afraid of right. what many. happened in Clipper Town? That the same thing will happen in Philly. I just think you need new energy at some point, and he's a guy that has just always passed the eye test for me, interviews wise, press conferences wise. I just like, I like his grind. I like the attitude he has, and you know, I really, I don't hate Brett Brown. I really don't because he did a lot for this group. And the year that they lost to the Raptors on the shot heard around the world, like I think he was coaching very well in that playoff. It's just at some point you need a new voice in the locker room. I think that the Clippers are going to be in a way worse position than they were with Doc Rivers if they go with Ty Lue. And I was really nervous we were going to end up in that spot. (laughs) So I'm happy it might be a flip-flop. I don't believe in Ty Lue for a second. Why does he get so much looks, man? So much. Good coach. It's weird to me. Because AI gave him pub. AI gave the him step pub. over. <laughs> the step over made his coaching career. I remember Ty Lue in NBA Live 04. He was the backup to um, to Derek Fisher, I think, at that point. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, this guy sucks. I don't like him. He's been he around for so long. At all. But yeah, I mean, obviously he gets some recognition for coaching LeBron Cleveland teams. But uh, how much stock can you put in that? LeBron coaches himself. I mean, that's what we saw. That's why I'm so impressed with Spolstra is because he his first experience with uh, with with being a head coach was coaching the two biggest stars in the entire world plus Chris Bosh. Yeah. And he wins championships and then they leave and everybody thinks, "Okay, they're they're really going to suck now." You know, D-Wade's knees like gave out overnight seemingly. And there's no, there's not really anybody left in, in in Miami, and there's still like seven seed, eight seed. I know it's not a lot in the East, but still, they're doing much better than people thought. And this year comes around, and he just he turns this team that people love to root against back in the early 2010s. They make them like everybody's favorite team. Yeah, yeah in shout, Miami. Shout you know, out Eric Spolstra, Portland native for sure. By the way. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Did he go to Portland State? Uh, he went to UP. I think think university of portland maybe um that's where he played yeah he went to high school actually pretty close near me and then uh yeah i mean he brought two drastically different teams to the nba finals so that shows you the dude can coach and he's young still man that was another argument i was making is i thought he deserved some more coach of the year conversation i mean the guy budenholzer got fired for a reason i get it they had the best record and you could argue a lot of his firing came in the bubble. But Spolstra, no one was talking about that name. And no one was talking about the fact that Jimmy Butler unfairly had been discussed as a cancer in the locker room and a guy that you can't coach. That was a, a lot of the talk was going around. And, you know, that narrative kind of has changed its course with the Heat. That's got to partly be credited to Spolstra, getting a guy to buy into the locker room, getting a guy – to get along with his teammates and be the leader that he now is with the Heat. Brett Brown was unable to do that. Uh, the coach in Minnesota at the time, who was it, Thibodeau, he was unable yeah, was to Tibbs. do it. They weren't able to do Thibodeau it with the Bulls. Thibodeau ruined stars. It's, exactly. Thibodeau is like he doesn't like stars. He wants he wants like a team of – he like he would have been good with that Hawks team that, that Bud had yeah. back in like 2015. By the way, Mark, he's still a coach. He didn't get fired yet. He should be, but – um, Tip? No, Budenholzer still the coach. Really? Yeah, I know. That's what we had literally talked about being Thomas... fired so much that it made it seem like it was real. I don't, <laughs> I don't want to pick on you some more, Mark, but 
does it hurt to see Jimmy Butler having success somewhere else? <laughs> you know, it does. Like, I remember when when the free agency started, like, I, my friends in my group chat at home were sending, like, there was a rumor that he had bought a house in the literally the town my high school is located in, that he had just bought, like, a mansion. And we were all like, all right, he's coming back. Like, Jimmy's locked in. But it, nothing about the way that offseason went made sense for them to bring him back. They, It was like, from all the reports that came out, there was just, there was literally no way. The relationship was so tainted at that point. And, you know, the, the Sixers offseason they paid last, Al Horford. last year in itself <laughs> is just such a disgrace. They paid Al but Horford, the one, bro. <laughs> Why? Dude, the, the one thing I won't, I won't rip them for quite yet is Tobias Harris did not serve the role he needed to last season, and they gave him a lot of money, but they were forced into that situation. When you lost Jimmy Butler, they had to pay him the max contract because there was no one else out there at that point, and the Sixers realized that they were screwed. They, they knew it, but they had, they're like, all right, we're either going to literally have to tank for a draft pick with Embiid and Simmons because they can't do it by themselves, or we signed Tobias Harris and Al Horford, who's the next best available free agent, give him a shit ton of money, and try and make a run, and it did not work. <laughs> it could have. You know, I, I still think that team's got the pieces. I, I like Glenn Rivers as their coach. You know, we'll see what he can do. I mean, he he does. he's the same thing as, like, a Spolstra. Like, he takes teams that weren't very good, and he made them successful. He did it with the Clippers. You know, that team last year wasn't really – didn't have a ton of talent. You know, one of the guys we'll talk about in a little bit with SGA, he was, you know, there – and he, he was playing really well. But besides that, I really don't think there was a whole lot to go on, you know, with them. And uh, he did a lot with a little. And so I think that was pretty pretty uh, impressive for, for Glenn. And uh, I'll, I'll take Austin Rivers on our bench. <clears throat> Why? <laughs> he'd be the best. He'd instantly be the best player on our bench once he brings him in. Isn't Landry still on? No, he's on the Clippers, man. Oh, <clears throat> you guys lost all your all your talent. Shit. All of them. The the toughest loss might have been besides Jimmy JJ Redick taking his money in New Orleans. Uh, that that one really hurt. God, love and now JJ, he's coming man. out like, yeah, I love that guy. God love JJ. He's uh, I remember. Do you guys? No one, you remember this? Remember how much everybody hated JJ oh. in college? Oh, yeah, dude. He was he was the single most hated player I've ever experienced. Oh, yeah. Like I wasn't alive for Christian Leitner, but it had to be similar. Yeah, I mean, there's all always the token blue devil that everyone hates, and he he uh, takes a cake pretty much. So. And like usually, the funniest part is, for most of them, they don't do anything to deserve it. Yeah, it's usually just the white. It's just the white guy. Yeah, I mean, honestly, Grayson Allen. It's just the one Grayson white Allen guy. did do. You know, he has. That's to- what I'm saying. I was gonna say that Grayson Allen. For sure deserved his piece of shit. <laughs> but, like, besides that, there wasn't really, like, J.J. Reddick's just a nice kid. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't do shit to deserve it, but everybody. And it was just really, just, really good. Just better than everybody on your team. Yeah. And we all rooted for Adam Morrison for some reason. Oh, gosh. Gross motherfucker. <laughs> Terrible. Have you heard the stories about that guy? No, about how he really. smelled so bad in the locker room that they forced him to take a shower? <laughs> yeah. Like, he wouldn't He's like wouldn't He's, like, one of those... But, He's like a berserker bunker guy now. Yeah, I'm sure he is. He like loves he loves the zombie apocalypse and like makes bunkers in his house. Is that surprising at all to either one of you guys? Not at all. No, <laughs> not even a little bit. See, the thing, the funniest thing with Adam Morrison was like he had the ability to be 
a top level NBA player. I mean, he was just a a living walking bucket, averaging what twenty eight a game. Which I mean, think about it. it for any college, it doesn't matter how run and gun your school is. You average twenty eight a game. It's huge, you know, especially at a high level program like Gonzaga. But he gets drafted third. When you get drafted third, there's a lot of expectations, especially if you're on the Bobcats, who nobody thinks are going to be good, and you're kind of like the next guy for them. And so he goes there, and these, he gets these expectations, and he gets criticism. And the second he gets criticism, he just falls apart. Like he is, he he was so bad under pressure. You could see when they lost in the tournament, when like the notorious just he's crying, bawling his eyes out, fetal position. He can't handle it. You know, and like the NBA is just high level of all of that all the time, and he just couldn't do it, and he smelled like shit. So <laughs> they didn't want him around. Anyway, you smell like I think you, you play know, like the way you smell. Is that is that the same? <laughs> something like that. That's what I think so. But I mean, I I doubt for a split second that Joe Kim Noah smells good at all. <laughs> Ever. He looks like he smells like pee constantly, and like you know, he was he was first team All NBA in 2015. <laughs> So, you know, maybe he maybe he, he was using cologne for one season and just like happened happened to work out for him. I could be wrong by the way. I you mean, he just looks like smell a good. It's probably Cal Kuzma probably smells good cuz he doesn't sweat much yeah. when he's playing. And he's, yeah. He just gives off that <laughs> pretty boy look. Dude, what the fuck was up with <laughs> What was up with Danny Green's fiance getting death threats? Jesus. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> That shot might be deserving. Dude, he was that shot broken, so man. Brutal. He was broken. I don't know what the fuck happened to Dude, him. Dude, I, I mean, every game, like, just for fun, I was throwing, like, $10 same-game parlays on, like, 10 things to happen in the game. <laughs> and, they're, like, you know, you know how betting goes. Like, every single time it would be one guy right. just to totally screw it. And, I mean, my, my savior is this entire series – KCP is just my guy, another guy who deserves some respect. He balled oh, out, this especially final. Game Six. Exactly, game six and then of course the, the one game I think it was Game One. I had Duncan Robinson's over in points, and it was like the only game it didn't hit. Like he completely shit the bat in Game One, and then bounced back. That's another guy, though. I mean, they said most improved bubble player. He was awesome in the bubble for them. It's crazy undrafted. how a guy like that gets undrafted in a league where they value the three-pointers so much. I think it's just because exactly. he's slow. I mean, the you can see it in his in his movements now. Like he he definitely figured it out by being in the G League, but when he came out of Michigan, he was he moved slowly. His release wasn't all that quick. Um, and he was just there was literally he wasn't 3 and D. That's what they want if you're going to be a bench guy. He, they want you to be three and D, and he he couldn't move on defense. But when he got to the G League, he he showed out because he all of a sudden had like a little bit of a handle. He was able to get open in very very small amounts of space, get the shot off, and and that's what really struck me when I first started to watch him. And we'll see what continues to happen with him. His progression looks like it's going to be pretty interesting, because I mean he's averaging over forty percent from three his whole career. And I don't see that that stopping anytime soon, especially having another shooter now on his team. That was the, every, every what was everybody's criticism of the Heat going into this season. They have no shooters. As everybody said it, Jimmy can't shoot. Kendrick Nunn's their star. He can't shoot. Goran's not a consistent shooter. All of a sudden, you got Tyler Hero now. This kid's balling. I mean, this I this kid has literally pound size balls at twenty years old. <laughs> I mean, he doesn't give a fuck. 
that's the thing that that strikes me when he was up against. I think it was against the Celtics when he put thirty something up, right? Yeah, he was, that was, balling that was against a Celtic the Celtics series. I mean, but the on top of just putting up numbers, he would he just wasn't faced. Like he he didn't care about the spotlight. It didn't matter to him. That's what got me. And this kid's born in two thousand. You know what I mean? So like he's he's young. He's super young, and he's uh and he's gonna keep doing it. No no doubt in my mind. I don't know what people really think is gonna be a stealing because I don't I don't know he. If he can become like a true point guard, because I think that he's really on the cusp of being a true point guard, that's dangerous. Because he's like six seven, you know, and and I, I'll see I see that being his case too. But shit, I mean, it's just like this bubble has brought the attention to so many guys that nobody noticed before. Because one, like it, there's so many NBA games on, you don't watch all of them. Two, there was no sports on, and then the NBA's back. And so now we're watching basketball for the first time in how many months? Ever since Rudy Dirty Boy Gobert rubbed his hands on microphones and said it was funny, you know, we haven't had basketball. And now it's back and we're watching all these games. And it's like, look at all this talent that nobody notices because it's just, you know, we're inundated by it. I was supposed to go to a Blazer game that next day before they canceled. Who were they playing? It was like on a Wednesday. And I think. I was going to go to the game Thursday night. I think they were playing like, I want to say it was like Memphis. Yeah, I think it was Memphis. Nice. Um, He's fun. So would have been, fun. Yeah, it would have been a fun game because Memphis, Memphis has been a nice surprise. So I'm, I think it's like, I mean, Mark, we've talked about this. I think you're really high on John Morant too. What we were saying in our one of our episodes was essentially like this, this 2019 draft where everybody's calling it the Zion draft – I am still convinced to this day that it's going to go down in history as the John Morant draft. And it's nothing against Zion. I really, and I hate to say it, I just don't see him having sustainable career the way he plays. It's just not, I mean, the way he runs, the way he walks, like it's not sustainable. Like that, there's the, the kinetic energy in your knees can't deal with 280 pounds exploding when you walk, you know, like an eighth grader mm-hmm. all the time. It's just, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, and John Morant, I mean, his ceiling is like Dwayne Wade level. I mean, he plays like the Flash, and that's like top five shooting guards of all time, I think. So. Well, I mean, but he's also, he he plays like D-Wade in terms of athleticism, but he's also like a point guard. But yeah, yeah, he's a better facilitator already. Amazing, amazing vision. Yeah. You know, I see him as like, if it's like if Russell Westbrook, didn't just care about stats <laughs> yeah there you go and so it's like that that's what i see him as honestly he's got he's got the smoothness of more of like a derrick rose though in my opinion yes that's, I, I look my, at him that's as like the a comparison i o- i always say i think derrick rose is is a perfect comparison he's just well, got Russell's that explosive. so explosive yeah i mean russell's so like explosive in your face right and d rose would do that sometimes but he's also trying to get around you and i think that's more of what jaw's doing yeah, you know, it's but like I mean, he he has more hops than either one of those guys, in my opinion. He's jumping over people. Yeah, yeah. D Rose, just... D Rose had some some ups definitely before that knee failed him. That that good old back scratcher dunk that he would do, love that. It's an absolute tragedy. That career got taken from us. Yeah, it's upsetting. I have a Derrick Rose jersey. <laughs> which from which one though? Love that guy, Bulls, Bulls. the Bulls jersey. Yeah, has to be. Yeah. Okay, so I think that's enough finals talk because I really want to get into this. So I talked about LeBron first. 
So I'm going to go third. <laughs> and Nolan, since it's for your first time on the pod, you can go first. Mark, you'll go second. I'll pick third. And for anybody who knows the 2018 draft, I mean, I'm not even going to mention names because there's a couple big ones that we're probably going to get right into right away. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so, Nolan, I'll let you start off yeah. with the first pick of the 2018 NBA redraft. Who does the Phoenix Suns, who do the Phoenix Suns select? I think this is maybe one of the easiest decisions of the of the draft for me at least I don't know how we all feel but I think Luka Doncic is just just a star already and I don't know how he does it man he's not the most athletic he's not the best shooter he's not the best passer but he's just so good at every aspect of the game of basketball and he's already an all-star um he's got it all first team all NBA yeah, first team All NBA. Are you kidding me? 21. Yeah, I mean, how can you not? I mean, that was the that was still an amazing move to Dallas. Props for them for moving up to get him at the third spot. But I think the redraft, he goes number one overall. Luka Doncic to me is kind of like a hockey player playing basketball. Because if, if you know like how oh, the great hockey players are, they just have instincts and they know exactly where to be and how to how to get there and what to do when they're there. And he's been doing this from a super super young age. I was watching the twenty sixteen, the twenty sixteen FIBA Euro Cup, and it was Slovenia playing against Lithuania, who at that point they were still like studs. You know, this is still like Valanciunas, Montiunas. They had. Uh, all of these big name guys, mm-hmm. and they were like the number three team in the world. And Slovenia beat the shit out of them <laughs> in the final. And I'm like, who is on this team? Like the Dragic brothers are definitely on the team, okay, but that's not like enough to win, right? And then I see the 17 year old kid who just dropped a triple double in the fucking gold medal game of the FIBA Euro Cup, yeah. Luka Doncic. I'm like, oh, that's a problem. That kid looks like a problem. You know, he's, he, I mean, he, I was wrong about Luka. I didn't think he was going to be that good. I honestly had him compared to somebody like a Hito Turkoglu, to be completely honest. I don't know. I'll eat my words. Ouch. But that's like how I saw him. I know. It was it was bad, you know, but like he proved me wrong. His ceiling is immense. He's broken through the glass ceiling that I had for him. And, uh, you know, we'll see. He's definitely in the MVP consider- consideration I, for next year. I will, I will say I was definitely – high on Luka Doncic when they drafted him. I was like, oh, that's an awesome move. But I don't think anyone saw this coming. I don't think anyone saw first team all Not this soon. And Not this soon. Um, yeah, I just remember me and my buddy CJ were watching, and we loved the Luka, the Luka move-up pick. So um, <laughs> moves up even higher. I don't know what you feel like, Mark, but I think he's pretty consensus number one here. No, absolutely. Um, and, you know, I just I, – I've seen him play in person twice, I believe, because he was one of those guys, once he came on the scene, I went and saw him the first game he played in Philly, and it was just incredible. Like, watching his vision on the court, it's unbelievable. And then a friend of mine asked me, if I wanted to go to the garden to watch a Knicks game and they were, they were playing 
the Mavericks literally the day after the Porzingis trade went down. So I watched him play there, which is then a year later. I guess that yeah, that was last season, I believe. Was it? I forget. Yeah. But um, either way, just watching him play in person, I was like, this guy is unbelievable. Court vision like no other. And watching him and Ben Simmons go back and forth, it's like the vision of those two guys. They have eyes everywhere. It's just unbelievable. And that's something that is going to carry with him the rest of his career. You don't, you never lose that. That's you'll, you'll have that forever. His only thing is just getting his three-point percentage up. And honestly, it's not even that bad. It's like rookie level, you know? 32%, not terrible. Like, second-year level three-point percentage. It's not. It's nothing to scoff at. It's still yeah, very he, good, especially he shot, where he's... He shot better his rookie year from three, I think. Yeah. But he also wasn't asked to do as much as rookie year. Yeah. It wasn't as much, you know? The step back is going to be one of his moves. And, then, like, that's not necessarily that consistent but it's working and he and he hits it when he needs to which is crazy to me you know so Luka Doncic first overall the actual first overall in the actual draft was DeAndre Ayton who by the way not terrible but definitely not Luka Doncic so that's the first pick second pick goes to Sacramento and it also goes to Mark DeQuilla Mark I think this one might be also pretty clear but who would you take at the second pick here no I don't be so don't be so quick there, Nick. I might wow. surprise you. Um, just because I'm a hater. <laughs> and I don't want to be the one who talks about him for five minutes. So I'm definitely going to let Nick have that one. Not to mention they have a guy at that at that position that I think can do the job just fine. And he can run two. That, of course, he can easily is, run two. Is De'Aaron Fox. I'm a huge fan of De'Aaron yeah. Fox. And I'm going to give him a big man, a guy that you just touched on. Because I think he he really gets disrespected because of the guys who are behind him, and you know I'm 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 being a little biased here. Like obviously Trey Young would be the pick because you know he's a star right now. But like I said, I'm gonna let him let Nick talk about him next. DeAndre Ayton would be a great fit with this Sacramento team. You can't fault them for going Bagley. It was an obvious pick at the time, and obviously, um, Ayton was already the first pick, and Doncic kind of has that foreign stink on him if you know what I mean like a lot of people don't like taking the overseas players that early um so I think that it made sense at the time to go Bagley but DeAndre Ayton is a guy who's averaged a double double throughout his career already and no one talks about it that Suns team is going to be legit in the future they're very very bright future ahead of them the guy is just a beast on the boards, and I know he was disappointing the first couple of games we saw him, but this is somebody who was getting Shaq comparisons in college and was supposed to be the next big Dwight Howard, prime Dwight Howard, Shaq, big man who dominates the paint, and I still think he has it in him. I loved what he did at Arizona. I remember watching those games and just seeing this guy dominate. I think he's going to do it in the NBA. I think he's going to do it on a winning franchise with Devin Booker. They're a duo to be reckoned with for a long time. And I think that would have been the best fit for Sacramento if the draft plays out this way. You have a guy in De'Aaron Fox that can play with him, some solid wing players. It would have made a lot of sense. I'm going Aiton with the two, not Trey Young. I disagree on one thing. I saw the Bagley pick and I was like, no. I never thought it was a good pick. I really? never saw like what he was gonna be. <clears throat> like he's like a four, but sort of, but like a five kind of. But he's six eleven, but he can't shoot. 
So like, what is what is he? You know, I saw like a lot of the comparisons. What was it like? KG, they said something like that, or Chris Bosh. I think it was a lot. He's like Chris a Bosch less stuff. less athletic and quick and Zion. <laughs> yeah like everything less everything's on yeah but he's also taller you know so it was like yeah. he was great at duke he was a, a blue chip you know coming into college but coming into the league I, I there was you know there's a lot of names in the draft that kind of fall through the cracks until you see them play and bagley was, to me was one i thought should be should have been one of those guys and to be completely frank he's not bad like he's doing well for a team that needs production and and needs point shares but he is definitely injury prone you know can't really stay on the court and i think that they could have definitely done better uh at that pick especially with the second pick i think that he was probably more in the five to eight range actually even in this draft probably a little lower but i have a question for you guys do you do you think because it's something i noticed from time to time and i think bagley could be a culprit of it do you ever feel like players like draft storylines and their draft stock relies too much on what they did in high school sometimes and if they go in in their first year or two in college and disappoint a little bit or not necessarily even disappoint but besides the eye like avoiding the eye test once they get to college people rely on the fact that oh they were a number one player in the country coming out of high school they're gonna be good in the nba because th- Bagley was one of those guys that everyone was talking about in high school. Big he name. was He's a big exactly, name. and I, I think it does happen from time to time. Is we rely on that too much when it comes to the draft? Like, oh, what did this guy actually do in college? Because we all know the name from high school. Well, they're all one and dones, so like a large that part was. of their their summary and when you're looking at their skills are in college. I mean, look at Kyrie. Kyrie played like ten games at Duke. Yeah, if they the were first pick. they're a huge high school prospect, and they don't do anything to like necessarily hurt themselves in college. Then they'll they'll still be a top top ten, you know, a lottery pick. I also think they're probably playing super safe in college too. You know, I don't think these guys are going to college. They know where they stand, and I think that they are going to improve on the game that they have. But you know, it's rare that you see a guy who is just gonna set himself above like a, like a, like Zion did, honestly, uh, in that one year. <clears throat> and I think that's just it's just has to do with the fact that again we're only seeing them for thirty games in college, whereas we saw them for how many games in high school, and saw the progression and saw you know the ability and the raw talent and how they turn that raw talent into actual basketball ability. And, and I think that that has a lot to do with it. So I'm surprised you took Aiden here, man. I think I think that De'Aaron Fox would play two very well. I think he plays two like right now. <clears throat> if you have the ability to take who the – it's funny because this is Atlanta still. Go right back to where he went. Um, the actual second pick, like we said, is Marvin Bagley out of Duke to Sacramento. And I'm the third pick, and Mark gave it to me, I'm assuming – so I could gush about how much I think he is like phenomenal. That's Trey Young. You know, Trey Young came into the University of Oklahoma, really didn't have a whole lot going. I mean, in terms of notoriety, he was a four star. I want to say not a huge, huge name, but he was definitely a great shooter. Everybody knew his ability to shoot from deep. Goes to Oklahoma, leads the country in both scoring and assists. While shooting a super high, a super high uh, percentage from three, 
And everybody says, okay, well, there's no way that he's going to be able to carry that over to the NBA. We have to give him looks because look at this is Steph Curry's NBA. We have to look at what he's done and go from there. So they draft him at fifth to Dallas. They do the flip, the swap with Luka. But nobody, I don't think, expected him to be averaging career 24-9 right now at the age of, what, 21, 22. He is a top-five shooter. He's playing on a really shitty team. You know, Lloyd Pierce needs to leave. I don't know if he's been fired or if he's about to be fired, but he is not the answer there because I think the Hawks are fucking good. I think that that team has talent on it, but they're not playing well, and they're definitely not cohesive right now as a unit. But Trey Young is their star, and he's going to remain their star. And I think that anything outside of the realm of like an actual Steph Curry is possible for this kid. And actually, you know what? I'll take that back because I think that he could honestly be the next Steph Curry because he's playing like that right now. You know, he is the best facilitator out of this draft class. You know, and I'll compete with anybody on that one. He is the best shooter out of this draft class. And he does both of those things at such a high level. They need his volume, obviously, with, with the Hawks. So if he wasn't on a terrible team like this, he probably wouldn't be putting up this kind of numbers. But honestly, who knows? So as the Hawks progress, we'll see if Trey progresses. They got Cam Reddish now, who I think is great. Kevin Herter is their number two guy, another one from this draft class. John Collins you know, at, at their four and five. And now, of course, they have they have uh, Clint Capella. So I think they have some talent here, you know, and they have they had like a 48-year-old Vince Carter last year, so that was big. <laughs> yeah, they can be patient and keep those core guys together. We'll see what happens. But, yeah, I mean, Trey Young, I totally agree. His ceiling is Steph Curry, which is high praise. So, I, I mean, it's that core is good right now. I think they're just super young. You know, I, I, I like what... Kevin Herter does as a number two, like off the ball guy. I think that they're going to start using Cam Reddish at three. And then they also have, what's his name from, uh, oh shit, Hunter DeAndre, yeah, from Virginia. Mm-hmm. So, like, they can run whoever's playing better, you know, starts at three. John Collins as the, as the lob guy. And then Capella to be you know, the soft guy in the middle. <laughs> He's like the softest center in the entire NBA. I don't know why nobody mentions that. <laughs> he doesn't he's so he's so bad but um i don't know i mean we'll see it's just not a team that i think they're so underperforming you know they're so underperforming and i and i have told people from before the season started 2023 the hawks are going to be a four or five seed after that if they keep this core together they're going to be competitive but i mean we'll see if they're able to get the front office to to make that a, a reality because they've they clearly have a bad organizational flow because they they're even when they're good they're not good so you know anyway Trey Young at three the actual third pick was Luka Doncic who actually got flipped for Trey Young at the fifth pick so number four is Memphis Nolan mm-hmm. um this is I mean there's a little bit of a fall off here but not really yeah because there's still a ton of talent coming up here so at four who who are you going to take with for Memphis yeah I think here it starts getting re- pretty interesting because i feel like we, we we named off the top three that everyone can hopefully agree upon but you know some people might drop eight and who knows but um this is where it gets very interesting i think you know like four through four through eight people might swap around a lot but i'm gonna go um with why not 
you know, why not here? It's uh, it's not broke, so don't have to fix it. Let's keep it as it is. Jaron Jackson Jr., I love his game. Um, he is a stretch four. Um, the dude has a funky-looking shot, but it goes in, and I learned yeah. that um, a lot watching him play my Blazers in the bubble. The dude's a pro- problem. He's he's a hard worker, um, puts in a lot of minutes, and he's just versatile and um, perfect fit for, for Memphis right now. So keep it rolling with them. Triple J, man. Yeah. I, shit, I mean, he – he hit, he is such a good compliment for for uh, what's his name for Ja yeah in Memphis that team is going to be something you know if they keep it together I like their their coach there you know he got a couple of looks for coach of the year because that team shouldn't have been as good as they were and they were you know mm-hmm. stays healthy who knows he is a workhorse little undersized but not really for the NBA today mm-hmm. but uh, he you know he's been averaging almost let's see. Let's see, J- Triple J. Yeah, I mean, his his numbers are, are good, 15 and a half. The problem with him right now, four and a half rebounds a game as a power forward. You know, he's got to figure that yeah. out. I mean, he shoots 38% from three, though. Which is, that's that's great. Yeah. Yeah. That's, those I are great numbers. Still don't know how it goes in. He kind of just flicks it up there. But. Yeah, he's got like... <laughs> kind of like a kevin martin shot yeah i mean there there might be better <laughs> players you could pick here at four but i i just love him on the grizzlies so I had to stick with i it. mean i honestly i agree with you though i don't think that out of what i'm seeing i don't really see myself taking anybody else yeah. you know triple j is a solid pick you know what you're gonna get now obviously back then who knows but now you do and he's been doing this by the way playing 27 minutes a game yeah so you know, play him 40, see what happens. Those numbers go up. So he's doing a lot in a little bit of time. So Triple J at four, he was the actual fourth pick in this draft. And number five is Dallas. Mark, you got the Dallas's fifth pick. So who, who are you going to take at five? All right, well, I think this one now, like, falls, falls into my lap pretty easily. I don't think there should be much of a controversy over this pick one of the most disrespected players in the game right now on a level oh. of on a level of stardom. Um, a guy we are all very high on. We've discussed this before, Nick. SGA is a perfect fit in this spot. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> I just can take my guy. <laughs> I I can't argue with SGA whatsoever because he's a star. He is in that next wave of talent that people don't talk about. He's right up there with the likes of Trey Young, of Luka Doncic, of Zion, of Ja. They're all the next stars, and there's a reason why they the OKC made that Paul George trade. There's a reason, and he was the centerpiece of it. They wanted him. They saw in a short sample size what he could do, what he did with the Clippers, and it clearly showed when he became arguably the most improved player in the league. He put on a scoring show all season long he can do a little bit of everything this is somebody that I want on my team and it's tough to see with the Dallas Mavericks where the fit would be because I don't necessarily think if they didn't see what they did in Luka in his first year do they probably don't go out and make a Porzingis trade so it might be a little bit different of a fit but right now if you plug in shy with that Dallas roster and leave Porzingis there leave the likes of Tim Hardaway of 
um, Jalen Brunson, Seth Curry. They still had Dennis Smith Jr., man. Exactly, a valid point. Um, I like Dennis Smith. I just think this is somebody who can play off the ball. He can, can he can handle the ball as well. I, he's only 21 years old, I think. He's young, a young player with so much talent, and I think he's got muscle to put on. He's a, he's a really skinny kid. Like That's something that in players, and I think it happens more often than we think, where there's these guys that we look at it as a flaw that they are – they need to put on weight. Like, I almost sometimes think that that's a better situation to be in than a guy like Zion who needs to lose weight at this point in his career. A guy like Shy can put on some muscle. He can take some hits in the paint once he does that. He's going to gain a lot of confidence in his game. I just think there's so much room to grow here. He Dallas would have been just fine if that's how things actually played out. But I don't think anybody could have expected – SGA to be as good as he looks right now. He's like a reincarnation of of De'Aaron Fox who you're talking about. Yeah. He plays that's super what, similar. That's who I was debating taking over Jaron Jackson, but yeah. Yeah. I mean that's the only guy there, you know, to take instead. I I mean SGA fell off a little bit in the bubble, but not enough for it to be like a problem. I think that working with Chris Paul has been huge for him. Huge. I think it's taught him, you know, taught him how to keep his hands ready. I think that's a huge thing that a lot of guys in college are not very good at is just keeping your hands ready. And if you play with a, a Hall of Fame Mount Rushmore point guard like Chris Paul, like your hands have to be ready at all times because that ball's coming, you know. And uh, being able to get open and get the ball in the right spot, like that, that has to be said. Like that's huge for anybody, you know, to to be able to experience. So I think that that's a I think that's a great a great pick there. I would definitely uh, – I, I don't see any way to dispute it. And um, the actual fifth pick was Trey Young, who again got flipped for Luka, and Luka ended up in, in Dallas. So number six is Orlando, and I'm going to – I'm probably going to throw you guys off a little bit with this one because you know they selected Mo Bamba, who is the most unfortunate player in this draft because that song – I think that song ruined him. <laughs> I think that that song ruined him, man. I think that if it wasn't for the song, I think Mobamba would have been better. <laughs> he changed his name back to Muhammad for the 2020 season because he didn't want to be Mobamba anymore. <laughs> so that's who Orlando actually took. But I think what they were trying to get, it seems like when you take Mobamba, you're trying to get like a, a rim protector, rebounder, right? Like a guy who can get you a couple points, but you really want him to be down low protecting the basket. Is that, is that fair to say? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. That's what they're going for. So I'm going to go for the one who, the guy who actually did a better job and is doing a better job at doing that right now, and Mitchell Robinson on the Knicks. Yeah. I think that Mitchell Robinson is the single most underrated player. The reason why he didn't get looks coming out of the draft or coming out of that year is because he didn't go to college. You know, and everybody still looks at that as being a huge deal. Whereas now I think after this LaMelo year and next year where we have a couple guys who are going straight to the G League I think that we're going to stop seeing that as much but I mean Mitchell Robinson is the only shining piece on this fucking Knicks team right now (laughs) you know it's it's so sad even RJ I mean poor RJ he's going to be good the kid's only like 19 but like but like Mitchell Robinson's the only one that I look at right now as being an untouchable player it's like trade the fucking rest. I don't care what you do with the rest, but we're not trading Mitch Robinson because he is the best. Besides maybe like Gobert, Miles Turner, 
and and AD. He's probably the best rim protector in the NBA right now. He has insanely good timing, like professionally good timing. He's not the tallest guy, and his game reminds me a lot, a lot. And I know this is crazy to say, it's like a, it's like a skinnier version of Ben Wallace. Amazing on defense, gets you a lot of boards, and then on offense, it's very raw. Great shooting percentage. He's never going to shoot below like 65% right now as a career. I think it's at 72 or some crazy number like that. But he's never going to average like 20 a game. And you don't ask him to. You know. So I think Orlando was trying to get somebody like this with this pick. And so I think that if they go for Mitchell Robinson, they actually get that pick. So I'm going to pick him at six and move along to the Chicago Bulls. At number seven, and I, dude, there's still fucking talent on this on this board. Mm-hmm. So with the Bulls' seventh pick, who are you who you got there? Yeah, I'm, I like your pick at six there because I think it makes my life a little easier here because <laughs> I feel like um, one of the guys who has the most talent in this entire draft we still haven't talked about yet, and that is Michael Porter Jr. Has yeah. to, has to. The dude can do it all. I mean, and he has showcased his talents in the bubble, especially, and everything leading up to that. He kind of has an attitude. He kind of likes to say things out of out of turn, but <laughs> you can't you can't knock him. I mean, he has a lot of talent, and that that presser where he was kind of demanding more minutes. Um, <laughs> I think Denver should give him more minutes, but um, we'll see. I mean, that was. A steal there at 14 turned out to be um, as long as his back, you know, continues to to hold up. So we'll see. I mean, the dude can shoot. He can drive. He can't really play much defense, but he's got um, great tools to become a a better defender. So we'll see. He's 6'10". That's the craziest part about him. Yeah. You know, and I think the attitude comes from, like, this guy was – the number one guy coming out of high school, mm-hmm. you know, in high school, he's told you are going to be the number one pick in the draft. Right. He gets hurt. That's no longer the reality, but he comes back. And now like, imagine a guy like that with a chip on his shoulder. I think honestly, if this back thing goes away, it's the best thing that could have happened to him. Yep. It's so easy to coast when you're like that. It's so easy to coast. We see it happen over and over and over again. I call it the OJ Mayo effect. You know, OJ Mayo comes out of high school. You're the next Kobe. Look at you. Everybody loves you, OJ. You know, we all want to be like you, OJ. Comes to USC. Oh, man, this is the next Kobe. Look out, everybody. He's in LA already. Like, this is great. Goes to the Bucks. He's okay. Because he didn't fucking work. He didn't have to. Everyone told him he was great. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that that was very possible for Michael Porter. But he has. Endless, endless, endless talent. He's already considered an untouchable on the Nuggets. Yeah. Mike Malone's already saying, like, him, <laughs> he's putting him in the same, he's like, him and Jokic, can't touch him. Those are our guys you can't touch, and Jamal. Like, those are our three. That's their core. That Nuggets team is dangerous, and he's a big part of it. Yeah, I don't know when, um, I guess I guess his contract will be coming up here in uh, two seasons or so, but... Denver's got to figure something out. Maybe playing him less minutes is part of a, a plan to, to not pay I mean, him. he has to know at this point, like, dude, 
we want you for our future. Yeah. We're not going to fuck it up by putting you in there for 40 minutes a game when you could still potentially get hurt. We yeah. need you to ease your way into it, especially in the in the bubble. I mean, in the bubble, there was some points where I'm like, put this fucking kid in the game. Like, are you serious? Yeah. He is he is the best player on the on the court for a solid 20 minutes, and then Mike Malone will, will yank him. Again, he's only, what, 20, 21? Yeah, I think that was his most frustrating parts is when he'd be in fuego, and then he'd get yanked. And he'd be like... Made no, that made no sense to me. And I think it actually had a lot to do... Well, I guess it's like... Because it's, it's Jamal Murray's team right now. Yeah. You know? Jamal Murray's team and whatever... You know, Jokic is obviously the star star, but, like, Murray is the one who's, who took the reins of the Nuggets. So... It's. I mean, with with MPJ, it's like, do you fit in or do you try to be the guy? Because he's got that talent to be the guy, you know. But I don't know if, I don't know if he's gonna get the role to be the guy in, in Denver. So it's a good point you make. They either pay him, or he is the best trade piece probably in the entire league right now. For your Knicks. For my Knicks need. <laughs> oh man, could you imagine? Oh God. We got Tibbs though. We don't want stars. <laughs> we want we want role players, top to bottom. So Chicago Bulls, who initially took Wendell Carter. I like Wendell Carter. I don't like him as much as I like MPJ though. So the Bulls take MPJ. Number eight is Cleveland, who like by the way got somebody who on this board surprising numbers from the guy they actually drafted. Number eight is Cleveland. The Cavaliers. This was the year where LeBron was leaving, and the guy they drafted was actually trying to like plead with him at the draft for him to come back. But uh, he didn't, obviously. So who you got at that pick? This spot is honestly – and this is a tough one. I'm going back and forth because the guy that they drafted, like you said, is somewhat disrespected right now. But for I sure. I, it's disrespected in a <laughs> – a Michael Carter Williams way when he was on the Sixers. Like, <laughs> like what what kind of numbers are we talking about if he's on any other team? They have nothing. But I think I'm going to stay with their pick because of the fact that this team literally has nothing. I don't think it would be the right choice to go with a guy like, as much as you just said you like him and I do as well, Wendell Carter is the other one I'm looking at, but he would not be doing the same thing on this team you can't you can't build around just having a center and no score I think Sexton would be the right choice here because the Cavs need that type of scoring and this is a guy that they think has a bright future with Darius Garland in that backcourt he's being mentored by Chris Paul and Dwayne Wade Colin Sexton is somebody who people believe has a bright future Chris Paul and Dwayne Wade have said that they see bright future in this guy this guy's career, a lot of scoring ability, things that they saw in themselves. Um, Sexton has just done this throughout his career. He did it at Alabama. He put up absurd numbers and was somebody I was really high on in this draft. And he's averaged damn near 20 points a game for a while now. He's one of the highest scorers on this board. So I just think it has to be the pick here. You have to build around a scorer like that if you're a team like Cleveland who is in desperate need of anything they can get their hands on. It'd be a different story if we had a couple more pieces here. I probably would lean towards a Wendell Carter, uh, maybe even a Devontae Graham, who I'm sure we're going to hear his name shortly. 
But I think Sexton is the way to go because of what you're building around. He's the closest thing to maybe reaching some sort of star potential if he continues to develop his game. So based on what is left on the board and the needs that this team has, I think the Cavs would stick with their pick. I'm going Colin Sexton. It's a good pick. I mean, he's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a hell of a scorer. You know, I mean, when he's at Alabama, you could see it. And, uh, you know, I, I, would, I, I don't think I would take anybody else there either. So Colin Sexton at number eight. Um, the Knicks next up. I'm going to make this one quick because I don't even want to think about who they could have gotten. I just want to think about the fact that they <laughs> got some so shit. It's so perfect that you get a pick for the Knicks. I know. <laughs> like, I think that Kevin Knox was a good pick. He's not He's. I mean, he's not there yet. I don't. I just don't like him on the, on the Knicks, though. I don't think he fits. I think he's the exact same thing as RJ, and I think RJ's just better than him at what he does. So I would say if I'm going to – there's a huge drop-off, by the way, like right here. Um, I would say a nine, if I'm going to pick anybody here to be somebody who I can like build around, continue to, to do, you know, put up numbers and stuff like that. I really like Devonte Graham. Yeah. I don't disagree there at all. I mean, I, I, I think Devonte Graham's, you know what I mean? I, th- I think that he's the best scorer left. He's been a I think pleasant the, surprise for sure. I, I like watching him play and I did not, I mean, why did he drop, right? Let's think about why he dropped. He dropped because he was a senior. <laughs> Isn't that insane? insane? Like the fact that now guys drop because they're seniors? It doesn't make any sense. So Everybody's old. mentality is like, it's like, oh, he should have been good already. You know? He should have been good already. Why? What happened? What happened? You know? And and so I think Devontae Graham is someone who, who was also a late bloomer in the NBA, averaging about 12 and a half here. I like him at for the Knicks. I don't think he's a game changer. I don't think he's going to, you know, over overhaul the team but i think that he's somebody that you can start you can start to see yourself rebuilding around you know as a piece so kevin knox at number nine and nolan i know this is you gotta you gotta wrap up here quick so let's do this one for you and then you ride out and then mark and i'll finish the rest of these so at number 10 actually i like who they took at number 10 honestly i think it's like a good spot but number 10 is the sixers the guy didn't stay on the Sixers who they drafted, but that's the pick there. So if you were the Philadelphia 76 by the way, the Knicks took Kevin Knox, number nine. He sucks. And uh, if he, if you were the Philadelphia 76ers at number 10, Nolan, who are you taking there? Yeah, I mean, they they traded away their, their Philly boy. That was, uh, <laughs> again, probably painful for you, Mark. <laughs> yeah, that was a rough one. And Mom worked in the – organization how do you do that (laughs) just ripped his heart right out of his chest man i don't that's crazy um there's still some some guys who you know were high in this draft that might slide down to this 10 spot for me i like i like a few guys i also want to i mean before i leave the depth of this draft is great i mean there's there's some value in some second round guys which is always incredible because it seems like year after year the second round is just guys wash out of the nba after two years and yeah like one guy maybe yeah so i mean there's a lot of guys in the second round who i think will you know they're not going to be a star but they're going to be in the nba for a while um and still got some potential you got bates diop i'm not you know i'm not giving up on him diallo 
Yeah. Um, even D'Anthony Melton. Yeah. Um, you got Gary Trent Jr. here in Portland doing awesome. Yeah. So many, so many different guys. Um, Jalen Brunson's getting time. Jalen's yeah. burning Dallas. Yeah. Jalen you know, Brunson, Javon Carter, Javon Carter. Obviously Mitchell Robinson. We already talked about. Elio Cobo. He's getting yeah. burned. He was, yeah. he was doing pretty well. A lot of talent in this draft and the undrafted guys. Yeah. In this draft, we had Duncan Robinson, Kendrick Nunn, and uh, Alonzo Trier. So three guys there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I was, I love Kendrick Nunn. So who knows? I Maybe I should pick him here. But I think I'm gonna. <laughs> I've liked watching Wendell Carter Jr. play. So I think I'm gonna go with him at here at ten. Don't know how much the Philly fans will like <laughs> that, but, but. <laughs> He's played well enough, I think, and no one else really stands out too much to me to take that 10 spot. So we'll, we'll go with the now ex-Chicago Bowl. <laughs> well, yeah, I like, I like him because I think he could run four better than who they have now or as a guy coming off the bench because obviously he's not going to take over for Embiid, but yeah. if you're going to put him in a, as a big man – it seems like that's the only position, besides maybe like a two guard, that there's like a, an opening on the on the Sixers. So mm-hmm. I agree with that. I like it. What do you think, Mark? You're a Phillies fan. I think I, I think you have to do it there. Um, now it, it, it's tough because you look at it from like the status of the team now. Like we need depth on that bench and shooting more than anything. So mm-hmm. that kind of that kind of would make me stray towards even maybe a DiVincenzo is like someone that I would consider there or Shamit. Um, these are Kevin guys that, then. yeah, that would really just do work on our bench and be exactly what we need. But like talent alone, Wendell Carter, obviously the most talented guy on the board, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. I'm glad I didn't piss thing. you off. No, not at all. <laughs> Last impression. It's like, not what the all. fuck, dude? Well, yeah, hey, yeah, thank you guys. I got I to gotta run here. Thanks for being, man. I hope Absolutely. You, yeah, enjoy the rest of the draft. Great to talk to you. Okay. So, Phillies, and then we have Charlotte. Is that what CHO means? C- CHO is Charlotte, right? Yeah. Because the Hornets? Exactly. Yeah, C-Hornets C- got you. That's so stupid. Anyway. The initial 10th pick for Philly was Michael Bridges out of Nova. That's what we were talking about. Exactly. And at number 11, this is where Shy Gilgis Alexander fell to. Um, at number 11 to the Hornets, and he eventually got to the Clippers, and now he's, of course, with the Thunder. And again, there's still a fucking lot of talent on this board. So if you're the Hornets at number 11, who are you going for here? So there's still a lot of shooting there's a lot of guys who can fit roles nicely coming off the bench, maybe even joining a lineup. The Hornets are another team you don't have much to work with, although I like Rozier a lot. It's interesting because the guy they end up getting in this draft, I still think has a future. I'm not, I have not totally given up on Miles Bridges. I think, he has a lot of potential there, but I I, I just question whether oh, they fli- they flip flop those picks. That's what exactly happened. exactly okay, got you. I just question whether that is still the right move. But you know, I still I I I think this pick is very similar to my last with the Cavs. 
you kind of have to go with the star potential, and I think that's what Miles Bridges has. I think he would have to be the pick here because he still has that potential. And, you know, elsewhere, if I'm looking at the same guys I just mentioned for the Sixers, a DiVincenzo, a maybe even a Jalen Brunson, maybe even a Mikhail Bridges, all the Villanova guys could be great role players at this point in the draft. I just think because the Hornets don't have much to work around, you you got to stick with Miles Bridges here. He's just a big body. He's somebody that has the frame to be good in that NBA. He really does. I'm disappointed in the fact that he hasn't done more to this point. He's barely – I don't even think he averages 10 points a game yet. But I just think if you get He's pieces around him, it's, it's weak. <laughs> it's really weak. But um, I think if you get pieces around him, he can do work. He can be a Blake Griffin-type guy. I really believe that. And I like Rozier's fit there. I think they need to get more pieces, get some shooting around those guys, and it might open the door for a Miles Bridges. I like that pick there. Yeah, I mean, Miles Bridges is one of those names that falls under the radar, I think, for most people. One, because the Hornets are atrocious. And two, because... I mean, what he does is kind of, it's kind of all over the place, you know, like he's, he's a little bit of a tweener when it comes to who he is and what he does. I mean, he's a six, he's six, six small forward, but a lot of what he does is a lot of like power forward ish style, you know, of game. And so that's a little bit strange. He can rebound very well for his size. And I I just really, I really think that he is, he does have a good future in, in the league um, they definitely got the worst part of that trade, for sure. But they they got some value out of it. You know, they should have kept SGA. That's all I got to say about that. But they yeah, uh, they got some value out of that. And uh, the Hornets, with that pick, will remain probably just as bad as they are right now. And the next pick up is the Clippers, who this is where SGA fell to, who in our draft went fifth to Dallas. Who by which by the way, that's still super fucking low. <laughs> To think about it, you know, fifth for a guy who, who's talented like that. Oh, and like, exactly. he's absolutely. Still the fifth pick. <laughs> That's like, five, shows. like this. five stars, straight up stars. You put him in. You put him in last year's draft, and he's. I mean, he's the number two pick or number three at least. Absolutely. You know, put him after Ja. Put him after Ja and and, and Zion, and so he's still the fifth pick in this one, and uh, so twelve is the Clippers. And the Clippers at this point will still have JJ, right? They'll still have – they don't have Chris Paul anymore. Um, no, they had just lost Chris Paul, right? Uh, yeah, they had just lost him. They just, just lost Chris Paul. Trying to rebuild. So they kind of need a, a guard, for sure need a guard. So with today's knowledge of who's done what and how, with the abilities that this man has – and the positioning that he has, I think I'm going to go for the the first undrafted guy here. And I'm going to say that with the 12th pick, since they got back-to-back also, so they're going to get a couple good ones here. Number 12, I'm going to say Kendrick Nunn out of Oakland. I think, I mean, it's, it's, it's tricky because there's not a huge sample size, and I do believe that he fell off in the playoffs. I think that he was kind of a non-factor in the finals. Um, not a, I mean, not a non-factor. A guy like that's always going to have a place. But I just think that Dragic's injury should not have been as big of a deal as it was. That was my opinion. 
because Dragic shouldn't the 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 fallback of Dragic is Kendrick Nunn, right? I mean, he is the next man up, and so I don't think he played that role as well as he could have. You know, he, they still took him to six, but I don't think it was on him to take him to six. I think that his role was getting this team to a position to be the number five seed during the regular season. I think he played amazing basketball before the season ended. And I believe that he is, he has a huge future. He's an aggressive point guard, gets to the basket when he wants to. He's strong. You know, he's got decent court vision. And I think that he's got a lot, a lot of potential on the defensive side of the basketball. You know, just the way he is, the scrappiness, the side to side quickness. I think that there's a lot there to be that's left, that's left unsaid for now. So number 11, or sorry, number 12, Kendrick Nunn to the Clippers to replace Chris Paul. And number 13 goes right back to the Clippers too, who at number 12, they, the, the Clippers took Miles Bridges, by the way, and they traded him to the Hornets for Shai Gilgis-Alexander is how they got him. Number 13, the original pick was Jerome Robinson out of Boston College, who, by the way, has played decent. I mean, he's not good, but, you know, he's, he's, he's okay. But instead of that, who, if you're the Clippers in 2020, but knowing that, but you're drafting in 2018, who are you taking with that pick? You know what? It, it's interesting here because I think I'm going to go with a guy here that is currently on the Clippers. And, you know, they got him in a, a hell of a lot, a hell of a lot of more moves than it would have taken to just draft him right here. And, you know, he played for my boys. And it was heartbreaking to trade him away for Tobias Harris. But Landry really? Shannon, You're going to take him? Okay. Out of, Wich- out of Wichita State is is somebody that I loved when he was on that Sixers team. He can shoot the lights out. I remember my uncle, who has season tickets, was texting me because I, I was a huge fan right after the draft. I sent him a text after the Mikhail Bridges thing happened. And I was like, dude, Zaire Smith sucks but I'm telling you, you're going to like Landry Shannon. I, I, I like watching Wichita State basketball to begin with. I loved watching him there. He was always great in the tournament. And just he has that stroke from downtown where it's like you know it's money right when he releases it from his hands. I think that this is somebody who's been big on the Clippers bench as well. He makes them just as deep as they are. And – Obviously, things are a lot different on that roster than they would be if we're redrafting right now. Um, I still think the depth is something you should always be looking for. If they had Kendrick Nunn, Landry Shamit is another great shooter to add, just collecting talent, collecting wings and guards. Um, it's similar to the way they're built now. They're just very, very deep. And I think Landry Shamit is a key to that. I did not want to lose him in that deal for Tobias Harris. And there's a reason the Clippers said he had to be in it because they saw that potential. They saw a shooter. And if they were going to make a push for the likes of Paul George and Kawhi and free agency, they needed to have a deep roster behind them. Those trades that they made at the deadline going into that offseason were a big reason why people wanted to sign with them. It's similar to the Nets, the way they just saw a group of young, talented players that were ready to contribute on a playoff team. I like Landry. I like that pick. You know, at this point, you're just there's a lot of shooting left in this draft. Exactly. Right? I mean, that's kind of what we're looking at. And there's, there's, I mean, when we're picking apart the top ten, most of those guys are already gone somewhere else. 
Um, and I think that Landry is a good is a good fit. There. I mean, yeah, he's a good fit there. But at 14, you know, for Denver, I think there's a guy here who is underrated more so than anybody else um, who's left. And I think at 14, the, the Nuggets are going to be taking Michael Bridges out of Nova. Love that pick. We didn't take him yet, right? No, no that he's was still He's definitely, yeah, I think I, I think that he's proven a lot of people wrong in this in the bubble. You know, he was a huge part of that of that bubble run that they had. So, you know, Miles Bridges went earlier. Michael Bridges out of Nova. You know, eight points a game, three and a half boards a game. I mean, really, his career numbers aren't don't really tell the story because his numbers are how he's doing like now. How did his game improve? You know, is he a, is he a solid role player for the Suns, and what can he turn into? I honestly don't think that his ceiling is role player. I think it's more of like a solid contributor and starter, as it could be. You know, and we'll I mean we'll find out as it goes along. Does he plateau or does he improve? That's kind of what happens to a lot of these guys. They either plateau or they improve. And I took him over the likes of like a Kevin Herter. I was really considering Kevin here. Uh, I think that I honestly. I got to say, I really think that Kevin Herter is the best talent available mm-hmm. right now. But I think that he is he is a little bit one-dimensional with what he's doing, at least now. I also wanted to take Kevin Herter because he's a 518 boy. That's where I'm from. He went to Shen, Shenandoah High School. Nobody from my area ever comes to the NBA, bro. Last time it was like, I think, Jimmer's from Glens Falls, Jimmer Fredette. So like that was the biggest name from wow. my area code. He, uh, but Kevin, you know, this kid was, it's like my mom would tell, text me. She's like, Hey, there's this kid from Shen who's playing very well. And it's like, Oh cool. He'll probably go to like D one. That's, in, that's like impressive. You know, sometimes we'll get a D one kid, which is cool. And he goes to D one and all of a sudden he's on the U eight, U 19 USA team. It's like, what the fuck do you, what do you mean he's on the U 19 USA team? And then all of a sudden he's drafted. 19th overall out of Maryland, you know, and he's playing very well. He's averaging double digits in the NBA for his career, you know, pretty playing damn impressive. Game. Not, not I like people, that kid a lot. Not many people even had heard of his name, and you know, it's something you contribute like that in the NBA. People are start recognizing you. He's a, uh, I mean, he's got a high ceiling, especially with Trey Young. Exactly. Those two together, that's the next Splash Brothers potentially. <laughs> You know who knows? I mean, he's already he's already averaging twenty or ten a game. You know, he gets his volume up, he gets his his shots to go down. I mean, he's he's definitely got that level of talent. So that's fourteen. Fourteen was Michael Bridges to Denver, and we were gonna do fourteen lottery plus one. So you got the last pick here. Last pick. This fifteenth pick went to the Washington Wizards, who need a fuck ton of help now. They needed a fuck ton of help back then, too. Um, not as much, but definitely still a lot. So with the Wizards at the 15, still still a lot of talent on the board. Who, who are you going to take there? I just want to go back real quick and just say that the Mikhail Bridges pick there, I definitely would have taken him over over Shamit. I love Shamit. I think it's a great fit there. But honestly, I was missing his name on the board shocking that he was still available but it's just because like it's m bridges exactly the mikhail bridges, happened to me too yeah the mikhail bridges definitely fell way too far in this draft um but to round it out with the wizards i have a hard time 
leaving this guy off of our draft as much as a, of a disappointment as he's been as much as you might not have liked him coming out of co- coming out of college I'm pretty sure Marvin Bagley Fuck Kevin Knox bro Marvin Bagley Kevin Knox Marvin Bagley is oh. still on the board correct Oh shit he is on the board still Wow he fell too far Yeah I I <laughs> he I fell think- way too far I think Bagley's got to be the pick. I, I, as much <laughs> as I don't want to leave DiVincenzo or Jalen Brunson, Bagley, as he's not great, but he still deserves to be picked tonight. The Wizards would actually love to have him right right about now, the way they're looking. He would make sense there. Bagley is someone I don't think they should give up on. He looks he's like hurt. he's going to be – he's going to contribute. Um, I think the Kings have a bright future. Is that fair to say they they have pieces? Agreed. If and, Buddy stays and, healthy, exactly, and, and I think stays healthy. I think Bagley will be a big part of it. As as much as he he's in a, a, a shitty position that a lot of athletes have been in when you're in such a loaded draft class and you're known as the and guy that two. was taken ahead of. You never Luka, want to be in that spot. Jaren and Trey, that's back to back to back. He's he's got the Darko effect. Exactly. His issue's not really talent though. I mean, he's averaging almost fifteen a game for his career, but the issue is that he played thirteen games this season. Exactly. You know, that's it's only a second season, so like let's you know give him a break. But like in his time playing, he has been productive. He has he's averaging fifteen a game. By the way, in twenty five minutes a game, insanely efficient. You know. 50% from the field, only 29% from three, 70 from the field or from free throw. He's a power forward, so those numbers, the last two numbers are expected to an, ex- to an extent. I think the issue with Marvin Bagley is, again, he can't, he's, he's had a hard time staying healthy. You know, he needs to play more than 70 games in a season for me to, to consider taking him in a draft. I do believe that we took him too low. I honestly think that we both forgot. And uh, <laughs> is that exactly. fair? I think that we both just forgot that he was there. No, absolutely. And, uh, I, I, I would have taken make, him easily earlier. We're trying to make the statement too that like this this draft was so deep, and you know there were guys that fell that sh- maybe should have been taken ahead of Bagley, but le- we still got to respect the fact that he yeah. he deserves he deserves. To He's go a top tonight. ten pick. <laughs> He's yeah. a top ten pick for sure. No, absolutely. Yeah, it's no, that's no doubt. I like him, man. I think that he's. He, I think he's a good. He's a good talent. I think that he's going to in, continue to improve. Um, but as a number two pick, there's a certain expectation. I don't think that he's he's met that expectation. And, 100%. Uh, you know, but we'll see if it if it changes. We'll see if it changes as we go along. So, um, that being said, we are going to do fourteen plus one. So fifteen was the last pick. The actual 15th pick was Troy Brown, who I'm pretty sure is still on the Wizards, and he's not that bad. Not that great, but definitely not that bad. So uh, that being said, that wraps up the 2018 redraft. Some notable lottery names that we did not mention. Mo Bamba. Mm -hmm. He's got hoes. Jerome Robinson. Um, And then Troy Brown, of course, was at 15. I think those are, oh, Kevin Knox. We didn't talk about him. Fuck Kevin Knox, and that's you know that's really it. There's that's like we said, it's more of a shuffle of the top fifteen, with some inclusions, but the top you know all of the top five guys are averaging in the double digits. Uh, seven of the top eight guys are averaging in double digits, you know, and it's just it's just down down the list. You see it continue to happen. So there's a lot of more talent that we could have mentioned. Josh Okogie still on the board. Divincenzo still on the board. You know, Lonnie Walker to an extent, he's okay. 
Duncan Robinson we didn't talk about. Lots of Trier still on the board. There's so much left. So that being said, I am almost officially out of words. You guys have anything coming up? Anything cool on uh, Mark and Graham? Uh, we've been taking a hiatus for the moment with us both going back to school. Been grinding on some schoolwork, doing my stuff sure. with, uh, with the school paper and uh, trying to get my baseball blogs out there as much as possible. It's been a little slow lately, just so much schoolwork. But, um, you know, we're, we're definitely going to try and get on soon. I got to contact Logan and come up with a date. And, you know, you'll be our first guest once we get to that. But as of now, For I'm just sure. ha- happy coming on the NBA Stories podcast whenever you need me. Yeah, you can see, like, I haven't been doing it too much recently. It's just been kind of a grind. And I honestly wanted to wait until the season was over because, I, I, dude, I don't like falling into the trap of just talking current NBA. It's exactly. Just not, it's not interesting because it's just so frequent. So, you know, now this is, like, my wheelhouse. Season's over. Draft's coming up. That's my shit, you know? Oh, and, yeah. And uh, we can continue to, to go into the historic shit and see what else we got. I still want to talk about Tim Donahue. I still want to talk about the Jailblazers. I think we might have Nolan back on for that one because he's a huge Blazers guy. Oh yeah, and uh, you know, you know, we'll see where that goes. But um, I'll put the I'll put the notes, whatever you want me to to link in in the in the uh, in the episode details. And you know, besides that, guys, I'm out of shit to say. You know, check out my articles on from the stadium. That is something that I do want to say. And if you like the episode, like I say all the time, leave a five-star review. Let me know what you think. I don't know how many people make it here, but if you do, leave a five-star review. And uh, just just for the for the time that we're putting into this, you know, at this point, you owe us, motherfuckers. Just kidding. But that being said, if you're not ugly, stay beautiful, and I'll see you next time.